0: This is, of course, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and uh, this is the message to the disciples, but go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him as he said unto you. Obviously, we're talking about the Apostle Peter this afternoon for a little while something of his life. There's something special about the very name of this impulsive, wayward, and child-hearted man that awakens our interest in him. We know ourselves better when we know the apostle Peter very well. We study him in his failures, and we grow discouraged sometimes, for we say, if a man who could be so near Jesus Christ as Peter, with him in the house of Jerias on the Transfiguration Mountain and in Gethsemane, if he could deny him, then it's certainly not strange that we should fail in this sinful and adulterous generation in which we live. And we study him, though, in his successes, and we rejoice, for we say if a man like Peter, unlettered, uncultured fisherman as he was, if he could be loved and accepted back by the Lord even after he had denied him, then there's hope for every one of us. And so I hope we will look at it that way this afternoon. Now, there are many reasons why I like this man, Simon Peter. And I'm sure that next to the Lord Jesus Christ of all the men whose names appear in the New Testament, he would be one of the ones I should like most to meet in heaven and see exactly what he's like. I like him because of his enthusiasm. I like an enthusiastic person. I like a person who really shows what he means. Peter had an ardor about him that seemed to radiate through everything that he did. If he was right, he was enthusiastically right. If he was wrong, he was enthusiastically wrong. And I like such a man as that. But somebody might say, isn't that the thing that caused him so much trouble? But I would say that the world doesn't owe too much to its overcautious people. He was a brave man. I'm sure though that somebody's about to say, You mean brave man? Didn't he deny the Lord in the presence of a little girl when he said, I know him not, and the old habit of his profanity came back upon him, and he denied the Lord with an oath, and alas, I'll say that's true too. But then you have to remember that Peter had courage enough to follow Jesus down into the presence of his enemies. And Peter was one of the ones of the disciples near the master in the courtroom. There are many reasons why I think the Apostle Peter is an outstanding man. But I want you to get our sermon this afternoon and Peter. Now, these words, which form an angel's message to the brokenhearted disciples, present one of the sweetest pictures in the whole Bible to us. And I hope you'll get this this afternoon. The crucifixion scene is over now, and the rocks have ceased their throbbings, and the crosses on the hillside stand still and strange. The text is the angel's message to the disciples who have gathered themselves together after that dark, dark day and are seeking to comfort each other. They had always imagined that the master, whom they had loved and followed, was to be a king of a temporal kingdom, and they were to have positions of power in that kingdom. You know, the mother of two wanted two of her sons to sit one on the right hand and one on the other. But now he has been crucified, and they don't understand. Their hearts are well nigh breaking within them, because it's an all a mystery to them. How can he be a king after he's died? It seems I can see them almost as they sit in that little upper room in Jerusalem. Doubtless they say to one another, we had trusted that it had been he that should have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, this is the third day since all this was done. But I'm sure that there was one who was not in that company in Jerusalem. I feel sure that there was a vacant chair. This one's name was Peter. He must have felt that he was no more a disciple and felt that he did no more qualify to the right of communion and fellowship with the other disciples. I expect he was someplace on the outskirts of the city in some dark, lonely place, far away from any human eye to look upon him poor, broken-hearted man. Probably we've all felt somewhat that way at times. But if Peter were not in the company of the disciples, I'm sure of one other thing, too, and that is that the other disciples must have been talking about him. Human nature hasn't changed that much. We have a great way of remembering all about a person's failures and downfalls and forgetting the strong points in their character, remembering only their weak places and forgetting entirely their virtues. And so I suspect that these disciples were speaking somewhat about Peter, wondering why he wasn't here. Can't you just hear them? We've all been in such settings, and maybe we've been a party to too many of them. Someone asked, wonder where's Peter? And they all, of course, stare for a moment. Peter, somebody says, you didn't expect him to be here, did you? Did you ever know of him falling through without some kind of a slip-up? Maybe another one says, yeah, he's always great on speaking up and watch and see if one of the first to put his foot in his mouth. Maybe they started mentioning some of the things that Peter had done irrationally and wrong and they could have mentioned a number. They sure could have, probably did. His failures. They could have told about the time that he started walking on the water and started sinking. And that calls that scene to my mind too. Jesus was coming to them on the water. They were so afraid because they thought it was an apparition or a spirit. And then Jesus cried out, his voice ringing like a silver bell in the midst of all the hurricane and the winds and the raging of the waters. Be not afraid, it is I. Well, after they had calmed themselves somewhat, Peter said, Lord, if it be thou bid me come unto thee on the water. And Jesus answered with one word come. Jesus climbed out of that boat and started walking to Jesus, and you know he just accomplished that for some time. He did all right until the waves round about him became so boisterous, and he began to notice them, the Bible said. He took his eye off of Jesus like we do sometimes, and when he did, his faith failed him, and he began to sink down into the waves of the sea. He said, Lord, help me. Jesus reached down his hand and helped him, and put him back into the boat. Now, they could have mentioned that, and that certainly was a failure on Peter's part. But then you know, come to think of it, on the other hand, it took a great degree of courage to climb out of that boat. The others didn't. I noticed they weren't whipping their legs over the side of that boat and walking across the water. No, sir, they stayed put, didn't they? So if you're going to criticize Peter, there's a lot of things to be said about those who never make an effort. Those who never make an effort are always quick to judge those who do make an effort and sometimes fail in the doing. So they could have mentioned that if they had wanted to. They might have mentioned sometimes uh, the scene so recent when the Lord was washing their feet. And all of a sudden, Peter impossibly sprang up and said, Lord, thou canst not wash my feet. Well, now, when you come to look at it, that was because of a humility that was seizing Peter's heart at the time. He seemed to recognize the fact that this is the master down there doing the menial task of a servant. And he wasn't about to let us the Lord
1: play servant
0: around him and wash his feet while he sat there like somebody. No, sir. But Jesus wanted to prove a point. Jesus wanted to express something. So he said, Lord, he said, Peter, if I wash not thy feet, thou hast neither part nor lot with me. And then, of course, poor Peter, impulsive Peter. Peter so like we all are. He said, well, then, Lord, not my feet, only but my head also. If that's the way it is, just take me all. Take all of me. That's Peter. Oh, they could have mentioned several other things, too. But, you know, we don't usually mention people's good things when we're putting them down, do we? You know, I wonder if that was any kind of a anyone there kind enough to remember him and say, yes, but his love for Jesus was so wonderful, you never heard the master ask a question that Peter wasn't the first one to answer it. He respected the Lord. His answer might not always be so, might not be true, but he would try. He really would. Whom say ye that I am? Jesus said. And Peter spoke up. That's the way it was. Whom say ye that I am? He answers and says, so and so. We could mention some of the examples today. It's a bad thing to dislike anyone so much that you can't ever remember his good points. I hope I never get so hardened until I can't ever see a good point in someone, even if I don't like the person. That doesn't mean that they're completely abandoned because I don't like them. You know, But if Peter were not gathered in the upper room and talking about... But if they were gathered in the upper room talking about Peter, there's another thing of which I'm most certain this afternoon. He was the most utterly disconsolate man in all the city of the king. For mark you well this one thing, and don't ever forget it. When once a man has been at the king's table and tasted of the king's meat, you can no more expect him to find real pleasure in the world then you can expect the prodigal to go back and try to live on the husk to satisfy himself with the company of the swine the second time. So I think Peter was a very broken-hearted man this day. And I think he was in the outskirts of Jerusalem. If there's one whom I pity, if there's one in the world I pity, it is that one who stands like Peter of old. Out of communion with his blessed Lord, but I think maybe he finally says, "I guess I've got to go and get back with the boys and get it over with." We're thankful he didn't do like Judas. He did have some feeling left in his heart, so I've got to go back and try to fix this up somehow, some way. Maybe the fellows will pity me and help my terrible feeling. You know, the night that he was there at the garden, in the in the uh, rather in the courtroom. He was standing outside when he went inside, when the Lord was taken inside to be tried. And he was out there warming himself around a thorn fire, the scholars believe. It was about midnight. It was cool and chill. And here the soldiers were, tromping about, and the rip raff mound about, maybe. And then, all of a sudden, a damsel comes out and sees Peter slinking in the shadows over there trying to warm himself around the fire and she says, You're one of his disciples. He said, No, I don't know him. Jesus had told Peter, you know, that before the cock crow, you'll deny me thrice. Again, she comes out and said, You are sure one of his disciples. And he said, No, I don't know him. And about this time the door opens and a shaft of light pierces through the darkness of the night. And then they see Jesus bound and being led out. And just about this time, she says, I know you're one of his disciples. Your speech betrays you. You You're a Galilean. And it's all Peter could take. His old habit reverted. He said, the Bible says he cursed and swore and said, I know him not. His cadences of that remark falls out on the air. Jesus has just walked out in earshot. And the Bible says he turned and looked at him. I don't think that was a hateful look. I don't think that was a spiteful look. I don't think that was an angry look. I think it was a look of hurt love. Uh, What did I tell you so, Peter, type of a look. And then Jesus looked away. That look got Peter. The Bible says he went out into the darkness and cried aloud. He went out into the darkness and wept. Now, later translation gives that this way: He went out into the darkness and screamed aloud. Now, you know the reason he did that was because it suddenly dawned on him he had done the worst thing that a human being could ever do in this world. Now, there are a lot of things you might do. You might commit murder. You might commit all kinds of mayhem. You might do, but when you deny the Lord. You've done the worst thing you've ever done in this life. And Peter realizes that because that look reminded him. Then he remembered the words of the Lord, the Bible says. It all came back on him. So, I think he was still somewhere out in the darkness of the night. Or on the outskirts of town the next day. I don't think he just... Rand got him a hotel that night, slept it all off, and he was all over. No, sir, no way. So I think now he tries his best to go back and get with the apostles again. I think maybe he turns and starts along the streets and through the city and comes to the little room in the distance. Courage fails perhaps a time or two, I don't know. Goes back to his old retreat and sits with clenched fist and bowed head, biting his lip, Tears streaming down his face, but finally he gets up and says, I will go. And he did go. However, what happened, he went. And we're thankful for that. He reaches the stairway leading up to the room. And as he ascends, wearily dragging his feet, he reaches the landing and reaches the latch. What? Does he hear voices inside? Are people talking about him inside? Are they saying those things about him inside that would hurt him and drive him off again? He goes in. I don't know what happened when he went in. I hope, though, that some brother, someone of the group walked over by him in a manly way, placed his hand upon his shoulders and shook him good and said, Peter, we're glad you came. We've been all missing you. It's never been the same since you left. You know, you've always been our spokesman and we depended on you. Where have you been? We need you. The Lord wants you. I hope that was the way it was. I don't know. You know, show the right attitude toward the erring, and it'll do them good. It'll bring them back. If ever there is a time when a man needs the words of sympathy, when he needs the warm clasp of a hand, it is when he has stepped the first time out of line. Say the right thing and do the right thing, and many a man will be brought back into the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we hope that's the case. But listen, somebody else is coming. Not wearily dragging her feet like Peter did, but she burst into that room like a glare of sunshine. It was a lovely Mary Mary Magdalene who had been over yonder at the tomb talking to angels. And she has received the greatest message of all times. And as she springs into the company of the disciples, she calls out perhaps, He's risen! He's risen! And then she says it. Jesus is risen from the dead and he said he would, he would uh, uh, see you all over in Galilee. Go tell my disciples that I go before them into Galilee. Is that what she said? No. And I'm glad that wasn't what she said. Because if that's what she said, that man sitting over here would have felt excluded. Because he already feels so bad he can't understand stand it. And if she had said that, he would have felt left out just as sure as you can uh, believe because the Lord thought that too. And the Bible says, and putting it right, here's what she said, tell my disciples and Peter that I go before them into Galilee. Why did the Lord name him particularly and especially? Well, I'll tell you why. He was the only one's name mentioned and the only one's name mentioned is the only one who had done wrong and felt that he would no longer qualify as a disciple. I want to tell you today that the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he has an invitation for every one of his children. But if there's one, if there's a special individual in all the world that needs the message to be sent to anyone... It's that one who is out of favor with the Lord. And don't forget those words. And Peter. And Peter. It was not that the Lord didn't love the other disciples. He did. He loved them as much as he did Peter. But it was Peter that was the one who was lost then. And that's the one he was thinking about the most. And at that time, the Lord was grieving for him. Now, I heard a story told one time. Someone foolishly asked our old mother which one of her children she loved the most, a large family of children. She just re- answered like that the last one in every night. Isn't that sweet? That one would be the one of her concern at that moment, and that's the one who would be out of the circle. And she would be most concerned and grieving about him. That's the one at that moment that she would love the most. And that's the case with Peter right here. And Peter. You know, the Lord doesn't want to give up any one of his disciples. He doesn't have a single disciple that he would spare. He loves you all. In spite of our mistakes, in spite of our failures, in spite of our weaknesses... I've read a poem a long time, it's a classic, written in England, and I'm going to read it. It's one of my favorite poems, and it illustrates this just so perfectly, it's rather lengthy. The story is, so you can get the thought real well, two brothers lived in England, one of them was childless, and he made it well in life, he had it going real well. His other brother had married and had a whole household of kids, seven I believe. But he didn't make it quite so well. It seemed like it was hard for him to get along. He'd fallen upon hard times. He just couldn't make meats. meet. So the well-to-do brother wrote him a letter and told him that I'll give you all you need for the rest of your life if you'll just give me one of your children. Let's see what it says. Here's the letter. What shall it be? What shall it be? I looked at John. John looked at me. This is the wife. Dear patient John, who loves me yet as well as though my locks were jet. And when I found that I must speak, my voice seemed strangely low and weak. Tell me again what Robert said. And then I, listening, bent my head. This is his letter. I will give a house and land while you shall live. If in return from out of your seven, one child to me for A is given. I looked at John's old garments worn. I thought of all that John had borne, of poverty and work and care, which I, though willing, could not share. I thought of seven little mouths to feed, of seven little children's need, and then of this. Come, John, said I, will choose among them as they lie asleep. So walking hand in hand, dear John and I surveyed our band. First to the cradle, lightly stepped where the new nameless baby slept. Shall it be baby, whispered John. I took his hand and hurried on to Lily's crib. Her sleeping grasp held her old doll within it her clasp. Her dark curls lay like gold alight, a glory against the pillow white. Softly her father stopped to lay his rough hand down in loving way. When dreamer whisper made her stir, then huskily said, John, not her, not her. We stopped beside the trunk bed, and one long ray of lamplight shed athwart the boyish faces there, so sleep and pity. In sleep so pitiful and fair. I saw on Jamie's rough red cheek a tear undried. Ere John could speak. He's but a baby too, said I. And kissed him as we hurried by. Pale, patient, Robbie's suffering. Angel face in sleep still bore suffering's trace. No, not a thousand crowns, not him. We whispered while our eyes were dim. Poor Dick, bad Dick. A wayward son, turbulent, restless, idle one. Could he be spared? No. He who gave bids us befriend him to the grave. Only a mother's heart can be patient enough for such a seed. And so, said John, I would not dare to send him from her bedside prayer. Then stole we softly up above and knelt by Mary, child of love. Perhaps for her it better be. I said to John, quite silently, he lifted up a curl astray across her cheek in willful way, then shook his head, nay, love, not thee, but while my heart beat audibly, only one more, our eldest lad, trusty, truthful, good, and glad, so like his father, no, John, no, I cannot, I will not let him go. And so we wrote in courteous way, we could not give one child away and afterwards tall light or seemed, thinking of what thinking of that for which we, of which we dreamed, happy in truth, that not one face we miss from its accustomed place, thankful to work for all the seven, trusting the rest to one in heaven and that's just the way the Lord feels about the church at Fair Oaks. With all of your? Weaknesses, with all of your troubles, with all of your uh, 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 problems, he doesn't want to give one child away. Well, you know, that's the story. And that's the reason why that Jesus, when he sent his message from heaven back down here to earth, he said, You go tell them. And Peter. I want Peter named. And if you are astray this afternoon, if you are out of duty with the Lord, if He were sending a message down to this old world, He couldn't. He couldn't be more impressed. He couldn't be more uh, uh, interested in you that if He had really called your name, He's that much interested in you. Though He's not talking to you audibly today like He did then, He's talking through His Word, but He means it just the same. You know. In spite of his failures, Peter had a, me- had a message for us that is rich in hope. He tells us in the most emphatic way that the man who followed afar off yesterday may enter into the intimacy of the master's fellowship today. He tells us that there is a place at his side, even for those of us who have denied him. That look broke Peter's heart that day. You can, have, you can hear his pathetic sobbing across the centuries. He found his way once more into the master's friendship. Jesus could hardly wait to get the door of that tomb open to send Peter a special message. Go tell my disciples and Peter. There's a, a private interview that Jesus had with Peter. Did you know that? It's not explained in the Bible and it's not clearly uh, stated in the Bible. What took place, we're not told. But we can be assured of something that he said, was said. Peter proved that the, Peter poured out the whole wretched story before Jesus, I think. And Jesus listened and forgot and forgave. The Bible says he appeared unto Simon. He appeared unto Simon. I don't know where that was. No one knows where that was. But isn't that something? Peter comes forth from that interview wearing a different garb than he had ever worn before. The garb of humility. Hence he commends it to you and me. Be clothed with humility, he writes, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Wearing this robe, Peter went forth into the ministry of the Lord. It was in this costume that he preached in the house of Cornelius. In this garb that he received his stripes and thought it honor that he was counted worthy to suffer for the Lord. It was in this garb that he went into prison and it was in this garb too, the garb of humility, that he was crucified. When Peter wrote his epistle, when he was converted and brought back to the Lord, you know, Peter wrote an epistle. And there's encouragement in that epistle to everyone. Listen, he says, But God is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Listen to that. Long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I think when by the Holy Spirit Peter penned those words back in the in the chamber of his heart, he could hear an echo sounding, and Peter, and Peter, because those words were the sweetest words he had ever heard in all of his life. They welcomed him back again, somewhere down in North Africa, I believe it was, as he was faithfully following his duty to the Lord, and he never did go astray again, his enemies apprehended him. And they gave him the final punishment. He was crucified like the Lord. The only objection he had was, don't crucify me in the normal way. Crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy to die like Jesus. And they indulged with him in that. He was crucified upside down. Wherever you are today, if you're out of duty with the Lord, remember these words and don't ever forget them. Let them be an encouragement and a challenge to you. The Lord is calling for you to come back. Now, he feels that way just as much about you as he did Simon Peter in the long, long ago, I'm quite sure. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information,